For those of you that don't know me, I'm Steve Pierce. I serve here as mission director. I also am a mobilizer with Perspectives USA in the East Georgia area. But today, I want to share with you just a part of my testimony about how God's Father heart has sustained me. I have dealt in the past with rejection, not being good enough, not being accepted, not fitting in. The enemy still tries to poke that button from time to time, but it's verses like Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And Galatians 4, 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. These speak to me in my heart, and they shout louder than anything the enemy's attempts to sway me can do. Even though I've been a believer for many years, it was here at Living Hope that I started understanding my true identity in Christ. As I understood that I am Abba's child, it was then that I started praying, saying, Abba. Seeing God as Abba Father keeps me, as someone recently said of me, steady. I can see God as El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one who I walk with, but I also see him as Abba Father who walks with me. Over the past almost eight months since my earthly father passed away, it has been Abba who has filled the void, who speaks and guides and cares for me. I leave you this morning with these words from Abba to his prophet Isaiah. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will go with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Amen. Thank you, Steve. All right, children that wish to go to Children's Church, you're dismissed out that exit. Take out your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 3 at the end and then the beginning of chapter 4. As the children are leaving and as you're turning your Bibles, let me just bring to your attention quickly the brochure that's in your bulletin. We've got another great lineup of growth groups starting January 10th. Check those out in the brochure, register on the app. Let's stand together. Let me remind you as we have the scripture reading that there were no chapter and verse divisions when these books were written. Man has put those in, and they're helpful. But I think to follow the progression, I want to begin where we left off last week in Galatians 3, verse 26, and then I'll go into the early part of chapter 4. I'm reading out of the ESV. Galatians 3, 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, hallelujah, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. Say adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Say Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, hallelujah, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. In the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, for your Holy Spirit anointing over the word now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right. Many people have father wounds. A father wound is due to either not having a relationship with your earthly father or having a poor one. Unfortunately, many today are raised in fatherless homes or where the father is merely a provider, but there isn't a close relationship. The result of this is many develop an orphan spirit or a deep father wound. But the most tragic part is how this often leads to an inaccurate view of God because we often get our view of God from our relationship with our earthly father. But that can change. Hallelujah. God can heal those father wounds as we choose to see God for who he truly is, allowing the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us. And I'm praying today, many of you in the room online will be healed of father wounds and begin a new and a deeper walk with your heavenly father today. Here's the central truth. If you get nothing else, get this. Knowing God as Abba Father is central to an intimate relationship with Him. Knowing God as Abba, Father, is central to an intimate relationship with Him. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, this is why the fatherhood of God is mentioned over 200 times in God's Word. Over 150 times by Jesus Himself and 40 times by the Apostle Paul. And one of those is our passage today, where Paul goes a step deeper today in calling God not just Father, but Abba, Father. Now, what we have going on here in this passage, I believe, is a contrast between relating to God as a master-slave scenario, which is based on works and the law and performance, versus a father-child relationship, which is based upon grace and the work of Jesus for us. That's the title of this message. Which better describes you and God today? Master-slave or father-child? Now, to understand verses 1 and 2, because it can be a little confusing, it's important to know that in some Roman and Greek households in the first century, especially those of, of greater means and wealth, would place the young child under the care of a guardian and or a manager. Now, this is different than the paedagogos that we talked about last week. The guardian often took care of the child as a person, and the manager maybe was in, child of the, of the, maybe was in charge of the child's property and possessions. But the child did not get access to his inheritance, either in part or in full, until he reached the time set by the father, often around 25 years of age. Many times, in terms of just a daily interaction with the father, the child was no different than that guardian or the manager. There wasn't much of a relationship. It was more of a do. 
the, the task would be given by the father to that guardian or the manager. That would then pa be passed down to the young child. But there wasn't really much difference between the two in terms of a day-by-day -day interaction. So Paul is making here a parallel that many Jews before Christ came were like that child. They had the promise of the Messiah, the promise of the inheritance, but they were living under the law much like a slave does with his master. Do this, don't do that. But again, no loving, intimate, personal relationship. But then Jesus came. Hallelujah. And everything changed. And he's saying to these Galatians, though you are saved, don't go back to a second childhood by falling into legalism. You've been brought out of that. Don't go back into that because that'd be like going back to a second childhood. You see, listen closely. A, a master-slave arrangement with God is rules-based, performance-based, fear-based, dutiful, no emotion, no personal interaction, just do what you're told. Maybe you'll be rewarded. You'll certainly be punished if you don't do what you're told. But there's no future. There's no inheritance. Just try to make it day by day and hope that in the end, everything will be okay. But a father-child relationship is so different, beloved. It's grace-based. It's loving. It's close. It's communicative. communicative. You can be honest. You don't have to fear being rejected. There's safety, there's grace, there's interaction. You, you want to obey to please your father because he's loving, and you have a lot of hope for the future. I can tell you as a father of four and a grandfather of four, I, I can relate to this. I, I want my children and my grandchildren to have relationship with me, to have communication, to have authenticity, to have joy. I love hearing my children and grandchildren laugh. I love it. Recently, we had three of our four grandchildren, in the, and they're doing something upstairs. They're just having a blast. And Dee and I sat on the couch and said, what a great sound. That's just the best sound in the world, to hear your kids or your grandkids get along and enjoy life. What better describes your relationship with God today? Is it master-slave or is it father-child? Look at how much family language is used in the verses that I read. Look at what's highlighted on the next slide. I counted 11 times. Offspring, heir, child, father, children, adoption, son. It's just filled. It's repetitive language in sections of Scripture should just speak loudly to you. I'm trying to get something across. The Holy Spirit is repeating this to send a message. And I love what he does in verses 4 and 5 when he says, Jesus came in just the right time, in the fullness of time. Why didn't he come right after Adam and Eve sinned? <laughs> Why didn't he come in 2023 with the Internet? In just the right time in God's economy of time and the right way he had to be born a jew to be the perfect high priest had to be born under the law as a jew to fulfill all the prophecies about the messiah born of a virgin in bethlehem son of man son of god from the line of david to perfectly fulfill the law in order to be the lamb without fault the perfect atoning sacrifice to fulfill the law for us so we wouldn't have to live under the pressure of trying to fulfill the law. Hallelujah. He was our righteousness and thus could adopt us into his family. Then the end of verse 5. 
Oh, I love this word adoption. Hmm. Look at the end of verse 5 of chapter 4. To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption. Say adoption. As sons. See, my oldest granddaughter is adopted. And it was fascinating to see the whole process unfold. If you're born again today, you're adopted. If not, you can be adopted. Because Jesus has done all to adopt you. You just choose to leave the orphanage and run to his loving arms. And so she's holding up. Adoption took time. Love arrived instantly. Isn't that great? Adoption took time. Love arrived instantly. That's my oldest son, Michael, on the right, and his wife, Catherine, on the left, and sweet Kylie, who was adopted. My son and his wife desired to adopt Kylie. They chose her. God chose you. He wanted you to be his son and or his daughter. The adoption costs money. It can be expensive to adopt. Anybody in the room who's adopted knows about this. But they willingly and joyfully paid the price to have her. Jesus, willing and joyfully paid the price for our sins to purchase us. Hallelujah. To redeem us. The Bible says we are bought with a price. The judge on that day declared it so. (laughs) It was legal. It was official. Nothing could change it. The judge made the legal documents They were sealed by the state of South Carolina. Oh, beloved, God legally and judiciously declared you his child when you received Christ. You are his child, and no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. No one can snatch you out of Jesus' hands. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. It is legally, judiciously, in God's economy, done, period, Now, to me, the most fascinating part of this adoption process was once it was declared so. She got a new birth certificate, a new last name, Holt, a new social security number. Beloved, my son and his wife are on the birth certificate, just as if they were the biological parents. There is nothing legally to trace her back to her former life. Same with God. We get a new name. We get a new identity. We're no longer in the kingdom of darkness, but in the kingdom of his beloved son. There's nothing to tie us back to our life before Christ except what you allow in your mind. There's nothing to tie you back to your old life except what you allow in your mind. That's why we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says the old has gone and the new has come. And then in verses 6 and 7, now that we're adopted, we have a father-child relationship with God. Look at verses 6 and 7. It'll be on the screen. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. Stop right there. Do you see the Trinity? There's the Trinity. (laughs) God, Father, sent the Spirit, Holy Spirit, of His Son, Jesus. There's the Trinity. If anybody wants to know where the Trinity is in the Bible, there it is. Abba. And we're, it's in our hearts. And it, See the heart. Holy Spirit's residing in your heart if you're born again today. And that Spirit cries, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave. You're a son and a daughter, an heir. 
Because you're adopted by God, you have all the rights and privileges of being in his family. And now let's look at this phrase, Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word of the most intimate and endearing kind. In English, this would be like saying Papa or Daddy. My 32-year-old daughter still calls me Daddy, and I love it. I love it. And then there's that word Father, which is strength, might, authority. So right here in these two words, Abba, Father, you have a God of steel and velvet. A God of steel who has authority, power, will judge, who's holy, but a God of velvet who's tender and kind and merciful and gracious and longs for you to crawl up in his loving lap. There's two other Abba passages in the New Testament. One is Romans 8, which Steve read. Let's turn to that because I want you to see how it contrasts fear. It brings up this word fear because that master-slave scenario is one of fear. It's fear-based. It's works-based. It's performance-based. If you blow it, you better watch out because he's going to punish you. That's fear. God says, I've not, listen, God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is of the enemy. Fear is, is that which keeps you distant from God. Listen, you may have been raised in a home that was very fear-driven, and I understand that, and I, I hate that for you, where you never felt like you could do enough. You were punished, you were beaten, maybe you were abused emotionally and in other kind of ways, and it created this fear. You went in your room and you hid. You went in your closet and you cried. That's not God. God wants to embrace you and love you and heal you and restore you and give you intimacy with him in the proper way. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Hallelujah. But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know the other time this word is used? Turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 36. Only other time Abba is used besides Galatians and Romans is Mark chapter 14, verse 36, when Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said in Mark 14, 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus felt this absolute, total ability to be transparent before his heavenly Father cry out, Abba, Daddy, God, if there be any other way to bring redemption, let it be so. I don't in my flesh, in my humanity, I don't want to be flogged, crucified, separated from you, Father. But if that's the only way, I'm willing to do it. But he goes before his God, his Father of steel and velvet at that moment. What an example. Listen, beloved, if you have an inaccurate view of God, then you will have an insufficient relationship with Him. If you have an inaccurate view of God, then you will have an insufficient relationship with Him. So let's sit back now, and I want to describe to you the greatest father one could ever have. I want to spend the rest of our time, and I want you to sit back, encourage you really, don't take notes, except maybe the fill in the blanks or pick those up later. Just let the Spirit of God 
minister to you now. Open your heart to him. I want to describe to you the greatest father there ever is and the greatest father you ever needed. First of all, he's a strong, sovereign God. Jesus said, our Father, Lord's Prayer, who art in heaven. Mm. Our Father who art in heaven, he is a God of authority. He is a sovereign God. He's in total control. He's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He could, because of that aspect of his nature, stay distant and removed, but he doesn't. Number two, your heavenly Father is a relational God. He wants closeness. He wants relationship. This is the Abba part, the daddy part. Oh, I can so relate. Nothing I desire more as a human, imperfect, earthly father than a relationship with my children and grandchildren. And the way for this to be experienced is time together. The most important thing for you and I to develop this relationship with God is first receive Christ as Lord and Savior, and then be sure you're regularly spending time alone with God in the word and prayer. There's no discipline more important than having a time set aside every day that you just get alone with God, open up your heart, read his word and pray. There's thousands of ways of doing it. It doesn't matter how you do it, just do it. Be in the word and be in prayer. Number three, it begs the question, how could we Sinful humans have this relationship with God as Father. Well, it's because, number three, he, he is a saving God. As your heavenly Father, He's a saving God. He so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Romans 5 and 8 says He demonstrates His love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came, He gave His life so that that relationship could be restored. That which stood in the way of a relationship called sin was dealt with by Jesus so it could be forgiven, wiped away, and we'd be redeemed. Galatians 3, 5, or 4, 5 uses the word redeem. That was a word that was used to the purchase of a slave. It was somebody who paid a price to purchase somebody. Jesus saw us in the slavery of sin, death, and Satan, and he said, I'm going to pay the price. I want that one. I want that one and I'll pay whatever price it takes and that price was his blood that price was his being flogged beaten crucified but he did it he paid the full price it's not for you to pay part of it he paid it all you receive the gift and you allow him to pull you out of that orphanage pull you out of that slavery and have freedom forgiveness in him because he's a saving God hallelujah number four your heavenly father is a loving God 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, there's only a few God is statements in the Bible. Well, 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. He cannot not love because he is love. <laughs> it's so intrinsically tied to his nature that he cannot not love. Even judgment is an act of his love. Let me just describe a little of his love for you. Oh, this is not exhaustive and I... We'd be here all day to even try to be exhaustive, but just let this wash over you. God's love is personal. He loves you. He knows you. He created you. He, he knew you before you were born. He, he, he wove you in your mother's womb. He knows when you rise, when you sit down. He knows every word that comes out of your mouth before you even speak it. He knows how many hairs are on your head. His love is personal. He loves you. He knows you, and he wants you. Number two, it's, it's unconditional. The Bible says in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. In Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son is a wonderful model. Was the father pleased that his son was rebellious? No. Pleased and love are two different things. 
I love my children no matter what. There is nothing my children or grandchildren could do that would cause David Holt to stop loving them. Nothing. They could do the most vile, sinful things, and I'm still going to love them. Does that mean I'm pleased with their behavior? No. Here's the distinction. God may not be pleased with your behavior if you sin or rebel from him. He's grieved. he's, He's grieved at the heart. So he's not pleased with behavior, but he still loves you as a person. And that's the unconditional love of God. He doesn't love you more if you obey. He doesn't love you less if you disobey. His love is constant. His love is consistent. His love is steady. His love is unconditional. Third, his love is sacrificial. He he doesn't just say he loves you. He's not big talk, no do. He's big talk, big do. (laughs) He he, he says he demonstrates his own love toward us, Romans 5.8, in that while we were at our worst place, God still loves you and Jesus gave his life for you. So if you, if you, when, not if, when you doubt his love, look to the cross, look to the shed blood, look to him giving his life for your sins because his love is sacrificial. Remember my definition of love, doing the highest good for the other regardless of the cost to self. That definition has never failed me. You put it through anything in your life and it'll pass that test. It's, the true love is doing the highest good for another regardless of the cost to self. Jesus knew that the highest good for you was to be saved, forgiven, reconciled with your creator. So he was willing to do the highest good for you, go to the cross, even though it cost him his life because his love is sacrificial. Fourth, his love is experiential. In other words, he wants you not just to know his love intellectually in your head. He wants you to experience it. And that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. Listen to this prayer. Oh, oh God, I pray that they would know the height, depth, width, and length of your love, which surpasses knowledge. Wait, how can you know something that surpasses knowledge? <laughs> because he's not talking about knowing it here. He's talking about knowing it here. <laughs> he's talking about knowing it in your knower, knowing it in your heart. That's what he said. They, they, I've given them data. Ephesians, he's given them a lot of truth about his love. And then I just see him backing off. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he backs off from pinning the scriptures, and he says, I need to pray. I'm going to pray this prayer because I've given them stuff for here, but, but it's got to percolate down to the heart. It's that, it's that coffee maker. It's got the grounds in there. But listen, what does it take to make coffee? Good grounds and hot water. And isn't that true in our lives? That usually the way we experience God's love is through hot water. It's through the hardships of life. It's through those difficult times and struggles when God says, crawl up in my lap, I'm your daddy God. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to help you. I want you to taste and see that I am good, even though your circumstances scream not good, but I am good, and I want you to taste and see me in the midst of this hardship. That's been my experience, and it's been many others that I know, is that often we experience his love in the midst of difficulty. And then finally, it's eternal. It'll never end. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 31 and 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Romans 8, nothing, nothing, nothing can separate you from his love. So, beloved, his love for you is personal, it's unconditional, it's sacrificial, it's experiential, and it's eternal. Can I hear a hallelujah? Hallelujah. This is your daddy God for you. So, back to our list of what it means that God is a heavenly father, your Heavenly Father is also an accepting God. He accepts you because the debt was paid. 
John 10 and 28, Jesus said, no one can snatch you out of my hand and no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. Listen, if you have the Father's hand and Jesus' hand surrounding you, you're in good shape. <laughs> no rejection. That's called security. This is why I think the doctrine of eternal security is important. If you're truly born again, if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, that's until the day of redemption. That's a promise. He didn't say, well, I save you and I seal you. Unless you get bad enough, then I'll break that seal. No, his seal is unbreakable. The issue is, are you truly born again? If you're truly born again, you cannot lose that. You're secure and safe in the arms of God. Now, I want you to see one key word in verse 6 of Galatians 4. Now, the NIV, I don't know why they say calls out, because the word, I've looked it up, and I'm giving you an example, it's cry out. It says we cry, Abba, Father. It's the word krodzo in the Greek. It means to cry aloud, to speak with a loud voice, to scream. It's used in Matthew 9 and 27, the two blind men crying out, have mercy on us. It was used in Matthew 14, 26, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were terrified, cried out, it's a ghost. Oh, it was used in Matthew 21 and 9 on the first Palm Sunday. They cried, Hosanna! It's also used when they cried, crucify him. It's a powerful word. It's a word meaning that we cry, Abba. I think what it points to is total ability to be transparent with God. The, the absolute ability to pour out your heart to God. To literally, physically cry because you're in agony and pain and you're hurting and you're struggling. He's a safe God to come to in those times. And those can be the very times when you draw the closest to Him. But you have to cry out. I experienced this for the first time in 1985 when my fiancé broke our engagement. And I went out on a frozen lake in, Wisconsin, in Minnesota. And from midnight to 3 a.m., I cried out to God. I screamed and yelled at God. God, I feel like you've put a carrot in my face and then taken it from me. I sought you fervently before I proposed. I went on a prayer and fasting three days in a tent before I proposed, and now it's gone. What's up with that? Where are you? But I could do that because God knows everything going on in my heart. He already knew it. If I'm not honest, I'm just keeping it from myself because he already knows it all. David, get it out. David, it's okay. David, you can vomit on me. I'm that kind of God. I'm that kind of daddy. You can crawl up on my lap and literally beat my chest. Some of you need, maybe need to pound the chest of God. He's big enough to handle it because he's steel and velvet. <laughs> He's got a strong chest. <laughs> he is awesome. And you can pound it, and you can pound it, and you can pound it. By the way, your arms are too short to ultimately box with God. But, <laughs> but, but you can try, and it'll probably be helpful in, in the trying. Because sometimes just that catharsis is good. You get it out. And here's what I love. Larry Crabb helped me a lot in this. Larry Crabb had a profound statement in one of his books. He says, total honesty with God is okay, is permissible, as long as 
It doesn't lead to a demanding spirit. Say, what's that? A demanding spirit is where you insist at the end of the day that God does what you want. If I had insisted that night that I get what I wanted, that would have been a demanding spirit. That honesty would have then crossed the line. But what I did after three hours is I got on my knees and I said, God, I yield this, I surrender this to you. If she's not the one, then you have somebody better for me and for her. You see that process of catharsis, crazo, crying out. God began to deal with my flesh, my, my, my desires. I had to surrender at a whole new level. But man, I got up at 3 a.m. off that frozen lake. And I had surrendered just like Jesus in the garden. If it be possible, Abba, Abba Father, let this cup pass. Yet not my will but thine. There's the model. There's the model. And so as you're honest and you cry out, it should and must lead to surrender. And I see this in the Psalms all over the place. So many Psalms, David is crying out, and then he gives praise and surrender. Number six, he's a sanctifying God. He wants you to grow and mature and do that best by beholding his glory. Grow up. As a father, again, I can so identify, I want my children to grow up, be responsible, become mature, find their niche in life. Marry a godly person, love the Lord with all their heart. And beloved, in terms of our growth in Christ and sanctification, this process does involve discipline at times. And that is why Hebrews 12 and 6 says, as a good father, he disciplines those whom he loves. Steel and velvet. So he sometimes has to discipline us correct us, but it's all because he loves us and he wants us to grow in greater closeness with him and greater maturity in our walk. Number seven, he's a healing God. This father loves to heal. You see this modeled in Jesus' life. He wants to heal your emotions. He's a healer of our physical bodies, but more important than that is our emotions and our healing of past and present hurts, our wounds. Every one of us have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That's why Celebrate Recovery is so powerful. We all have hurts, habits, hang-ups. And as a father, I want this for my children. I want them to get healing for anything they need. And if, and if I've been the cause of some of the issues they need healing in, please come. <laughs> if you need to ask me why I did something or I did something that hurt you, please let me know. And I'll humble myself and, and ask your forgiveness. And so sometimes this involves counseling. It may be just talking it out with somebody. It may be prayer ministry. It may be restoring the foundations. But beloved, allow God to come into those places of pain and hurt to bring his, his healing. And finally, our Heavenly Father is a generous God. He's not stingy. <laughs> he, he loves to give. I love Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? He loves to give. He loves to bless. He loves to surprise you. He, he's a God who is rich, and he loves to pour out his wealth <laughs> of blessing and grace and love and mercy. He, he's got a bank account that's endless. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking blessings and grace and mercy and truth. And he's got this bank account that he's just waiting for you to come to the bank 
with a withdrawal slip. <laughs> a withdrawal. Father, I need to withdraw some of that mercy today. I need to withdraw some of that love today. I need, Father, to withdraw some of that company, presence today. And he's like, I've been waiting for you. I I've been waiting at the teller. I've been waiting for you to drive up to the heavenly bank teller so that I can just pour it out on you. So, beloved, where today do you need Abba Father? He's the Father you've always desired and the Father you always need. Come to Him in trust and in relationship. Allow Himself to prove Himself to you Open your heart to him and allow him to help you. Let's review real quick. Look at this amazing father you have. If you're not saved today, you can have it. He's a strong, sovereign God. He, he's a relational God. He, he's a saving God. He's a loving God. He's an accepting God. He's a sanctifying God. He's a healing God. He's a generous God. Oh, beloved, aren't you glad? This is our Heavenly Father. Some of you today may need to be healed of some father wounds. I pray today that you would allow the Lord to begin the process of bringing healing and change to your life. My heart goes out to those that have father wounds. I'm praying all week that Today would be a healing day for you, or at least the beginning of that process. Before we go into a prayer time, I, I want to share a word that was brought to me by one member of our prophetic team. I believe it's spot on. We haven't had a prophetic word in a long time. But I believe it's for some of you today or maybe someone watching online. Listen closely. My dear children, I formed you and created you. Therefore, you are mine. Many of you went astray, separating yourselves from me, but in love I bought you back and then brought you back to myself. Some of you are still have estranged yourselves from me, ignoring my voice that calls my sons and daughters, but I stand watching and waiting for you to come home. You hear my voice because my sheep hear my voice and you are mine. Come home. I've provided all that you need for life and godliness. Come home. I have spread a table ready to feast with you and celebrate your return. Come home. You've doubted my goodness and my love, but I am good and I have been faithful forever. Come home. I did not leave you or forsake you, but you have left me. Come home. I am here full of mercy and compassion, full of truth and grace. I've given you the truth to set you free. Come home. Come home, dear ones, for I am a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. I am the Lord Almighty, a father to the fatherless. I am Abba, Father. Come home. I'm going to invite anybody that would like some prayer for father wounds to go over to this side of the room behind the communion table. There's going to be a select group of people that I've invited to be there. And if y'all would go there now to pray over you as a group. And then if you want individual ministry, you can receive that as well. But if today God has surfaced some father wounds and you want to get prayer for healing, those that I've asked to do the prayer for that, would you head over there? And any others, just any time now, you've been 
Get out of your seat and head over there. And then over here, behind the communion table, I, I just want to pray over anybody that would just like to go deeper in God as your daddy father. Actually, let's do it in front of the communion table. So you just say, I want to go deeper in, in God as my daddy father, Abba Father. Today's resonated with me. I, I just will pray over you as a group. And then our regular prayer team people, just be, be available for anybody else who would want prayer. If you stay in your seat, a song is going to be sung by the worship team. And it's really designed to just wash over you. you, you it's really not for you to sing. You're welcome to, but it's more for you to just let the, the, the spirit of the song, the words of the song, just kind of wash over you. So if you do remain in your seat, just, just be there receiving, communing with the Lord, letting him come to you right where you are. So father wound prayer, go deeper with God as father. Altars open, stay in your seat. Let the song wash over you. God, we thank you today. You are the perfect Father. Oh, God, come now and finish whatever work you would desire to do in hearts today. You've begun a good work. You've given truth. But now, Lord, I pray that hearts would be even open more so that you as the surgical loving Father could come in and do some surgery, do some healing, do some comforting, do some reassurance. You know what people need, so we release now this time to you to have your will and way.